0: Hey, it's your host, Krista Makes. Do you know that I write custom songs? Well, here's a bit of my work. You don't want to hear me rap. Pick any other style. Trust me.
1: I could even write a ballad for your anniversary or your birthday. Looking
0: for a voiceover, jingle, or music for your business, podcast, or TV show? Well, look no further. I'm your guide. I
1: can write songs. want to write your kids a song?
0: For more info, email me at kristamakes at gmail.com. Now let's get into this awesome episode. All right. Hey everybody, today's guest is Josh Todd, lead vocalist for the Los Angeles, California rock band Buck Cherry. Josh and I take a nosedive straight into their breakout smash hit, Crazy Bitch, taken from their 2006 album, Fifteen. And yet another feel-good story here on Krista Makes a Podcast. We talk about how the band went back to basics after being dropped by DreamWorks Records after two albums and decided to make a record on their own in hopes of securing another label deal. And it worked. Initially, the band was going to lead with a different single to promote the record, just stopping short of that when their fans voiced their opinions loudly through the band's MySpace page that Crazy Bitch should be the lead-off track. Josh recalls listening to a lot of hip-hop around this time and how that bled into the overall lyrical content and vibe. And I filled Josh in on a number of crazy coincidences, how both Buckcherry and Less Than Jake's pass were simultaneously crossing during the making of this record. For all this and much more, sit back and turn it up loud.
1: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard?
2: All right, Josh, how's it going? Hey, man, it's going great. You know, we got a, a great new record about to drop here, June twenty fifth. Hellbound. It's uh, it's so good. And touring uh, first show is June first in Kansas City. So I, I leave on Monday and uh, just getting ready. I actually, just sang a full headlining set before I got on with you. I got up early. <laughs> well, you, you don't sound too hoarse, man. Good, good for you. No, no, no. I don't get hoarse. Yeah, that's right um, on. Right yeah so uh i'm excited man uh we just dropped uh, the title track on uh wednesday and the video hellbound it's um getting a great response and just got added to the spotify playlist i just saw earlier here and just uh rolling
0: well, congratulations! Yeah, I saw the I saw the video. It's uh, it's killer. You know, for the listeners, I I, I want to give a little bit of of history here, and it's it's crazy. I don't even know how much of this you're aware of, Josh. But uh, our paths have kind of uh, crossed over the years in, in the weirdest of ways. Uh, I was living in Atlanta in 1999, and ah. uh, lit up was just blowing up on 99X, and I remember hearing it for the first time, and I remember saying,
2: "That was a very special time." Yeah,
0: I remember saying, "Who the hell is this?" It had that sleazy '70s '80s hard rock thing, but it didn't sound dated. But it was totally different than what was happening at radio at that time. It it sounded fresh to me, and I just I'm a I'm a metal hard rock kid man from the '80s, <laughs> and uh, I just it spoke to me. I loved it. Found out that Steve Jones from the Pistols produced it. It had this you know just this punky punky feeling to it, and uh, yeah. I, I, I love the I love the track and uh, love the whole record. I was just a, a fan from, from the get-go. Uh, that record, of course, was on DreamWorks. Your second album dropped, Time Bomb. I loved that record as well. I did too. Uh, just my opinion. I I felt the lead-off single to me wasn't my favorite. I probably would have let off maybe with the title track or, or Porno Star. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, one of those records that or things that just happened. It just didn't didn't uh, evidently perform as well in the charts, but you guys were still out there. You toured with AC/DC for for that record, and uh, then the band took a hiatus, broke up, so to speak. And uh, in 2003, Joshua released, you released your first solo record called You Made Me. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, two years later, uh, you and the lead guitarist of Buck Cherry at the time, Keith Nelson, reformed Buck Cherry. And in the fall of 2005, Less Than Jake was out in California with Howard Benson recording our record called In With The Out Crowd. Right. And Mike Plotnikoff was the engineer. Right. And Keith Nelson, the guitarist for Buck Cherry at the time, was the guitar technician in the studio yeah so for our listeners uh he basically was tuning the guitars putting guitar strings on setting them up he'd hand you the guitar in tune you'd play so keith was there doing that and during this him and mike they would always be talking and and you know i i didn't take too long to figure out that while this was going on on the weekends and after hours from our session You guys were recording 15, which crazy bitch was on.
2: Uh, I think we were, uh, accumulating, uh, some demos at that time. Uh, and you know, we wrote a bunch of demos before we took our hiatus, you know, um, it's not, it's not like we planned that it was like three of the members had quit, uh, you know, at, at different moments of time, uh, after the time bomb tour and during the time bomb tour too, you know, and it was Keith and I just, uh, sitting in a rehearsal room, uh, figuring out the next thing. And we were just writing songs, you know, we were just working on demos and stuff. And then a lot of stuff happened during that time. But, um, yeah, uh, that was one of his gigs. I had a gig. I was working out, I was working out in a Valley, uh, building like airplanes for airplane sets, uh, movie sets, just doing crazy, oh, wow. crazy stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, um, we just kind of rekindled, uh, you know, th- we, we had this unfinished business, which was Buck Cherry, you know, and, um, And finally kind of reconnected over some, you know, personal stuff in our lives, uh, Keith and I did. And and that's when we started working really hard on Fifteen.
0: Well, that's awesome because, you know, not many bands and uh, my band is one of them. We actually had two major label deals, which uh, I still pinch myself sometimes think about. It. So it's really funny because, you know, very few bands even get a major one major label deal. And here you guys are. And from my understanding, when when these songs were being written during that time period, you were without a deal at this point. You shopped the record when it was done. Is that correct?
2: Oh, yeah. It was a crazy time. Nobody would sign us in the States. Um everybody told us we were uh, I don't know hasbins or you know that was it and um, you wouldn't and you know that's why we called the record 15 because we had a very small budget uh, we got a small record deal in Japan and we made the record with that money in 15 days we recorded it yeah it was really back to the basics it wasn't like uh, we, we just had to completely believe in ourselves and and you know Buck sherry was still the black sheep of rock music at that point we were we were never We have never been part of mainstream rock since
3: 1999,
2: (laughs) 22 years. And it's amazing that we're kind of just a traditional hard rock band, but we've never been a part of the mainstream rock our whole career, you know, and um, it just happened again with 15.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to at the top when I was talking about this song coming. I just, the, the musical landscape in 99, you guys, nothing sounded like what you guys were doing. And the fact that you were getting sandwiched between uh, Limp Bizkit and Creed was just, it was awesome to yeah, me. You yeah. know, I, I just, I thought i thought it was kind of the, the, the coolest thing. Agreed. But um a couple more couple more things here before we get into the song. You know, uh, another part of our history, of course, is uh, my good friend Kelly Lemieux, uh bass player. He <laughs> now plays, he's been with you guys for probably, uh, I'm going to go on the limb here and say six or seven years now
2: man Five, six oh there's got to be more than seven years now uh, is it more than yeah that now? you know um kelly is a uh, just a lovely human being and such an amazing bass player and such a student of uh rock you know he's he's very passionate about rock music and rock history and he knows a lot a lot more than i do you know um he's always reading books yeah. books on uh you know music stories and and he's he's a real he's a real joy and just a wonderful person. You know, um, I'm an Aries, he's an Aries. We get along really well. Um, we have the same likes (laughs) and, and, uh, yeah, just a a great guy. Um, and you know, he was, he was always in the, in the mix. You know, when I first got up to LA, he was in, he was a Goldfinger, but there was a band before that. Um, I forget the band, but anyway,
0: Uh, how I met Kelly, he was in 22 jacks.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's been in a, a few bands, but anyways, he was in goldfinger as well and and so I, we we all knew the kind of a, the same kind of people in LA and stuff so i'd bumped into him a few times before he was ever in the band you know so it was cool to finally have him in the band.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I met him when he was playing with 22 Jacks. Of course, he went on to Goldfinger, so known Kelly forever, and uh, yeah, it's just, again, part part of that uh, history that, that both bands have crossed. Um, one last thing before we jump in the song that I found very interesting. You know, again, you recorded this song, and I'm assuming the the, the label you're speaking of was Universal Japan. They're the ones that gave you the advance yeah, yeah. to make the record? They gave
2: us the advance, okay. and then we had, then we got a distribution deal through Atlantic in the States, but... Atlantic had this upstreaming clause if they ever wanted to use it, but they wouldn't sign us. And then, you know, it, it was during the time at that point in time, it was MySpace was going on, right? And we were all ready to go with the first single, which was gonna be next to you, right? And we were about to make a video, and then we're like checking out our MySpace, and Crazy Bitch is like getting crazy amount of listens, right? Um, and we're like Oh my God, there's like almost a million listens of this song. And then radio stations in the States started editing it and putting it on the radio without us even asking them. And so we were like, we better jump on this song. You know, this thing's going. You know. <laughs> well, and, you you,
0: you kind of just you kind of just answered my question because when I was reviewing and studying for, for this, uh, I noticed that the song it was buried number seven on the record. Yeah. Typically, your hit single isn't number seven. So, in your guys' mind, uh, you weren't thinking this was was a radio hit no. or was anything. No,
2: we just thought it would be a great. Uh, live song for our core audience would really would really like it and that was that was it didn't think much else of it you know we've been sitting on that song for a long time too it was just uh you know after the time bomb tour when everybody left it was just uh keith and i writing demos and that's when we we uh, wrote uh you know kind of the skeleton of crazy bitch you know we we hadn't completely finished it but um it was it was all kind of there and i remember i won't name names but we played it for a really well-known producer back then and he listened to it and he's like it's a good song but it'll never get on the radio you're gonna have to change the lyrics and i was like <laughs> i was like Fuck that that's like the whole song that's a whole hook i don't want to you know and so almost never made a record because we just were like whatever we'll just write more songs you know and and um yeah and and then uh we revisited it uh during the 15 songwriting session and we kind of finished the song we put like a midsection to it and and uh and then you know the rest is history it's like had this crazy long i think it's at like four four million or three million streams right now or You know, it's, it's insane.
0: No, I mean, just uh, the the YouTube video alone for the official video is at 56 million plays. I mean, that's just, it's incredible. And I remember when this song came out, you could not escape it. It was the biggest song of 2006. It was absolutely everywhere. And I, I love a great success story. Yeah. And I just, I just love a feel good story. And this is one of those. I mean, here you guys, you just kept plugging along. Hey, we're guys in a rock band. This is what we do. We write rock songs and we're doing what we do. We're not going to change for anybody. We're not going to listen to this producer who's you know thinks he knows everything and uh also what i love and it's been a running theme you know i'm I'm over a year now of doing uh uh, this podcast so 50 plus episodes and i can't tell you how many times i've heard this was just kind of another track on the record you know (laughs) that ended up you ended up you're not thinking about it too much not overanalyzing it it ends up being this massive thing
2: there's sometimes you just don't know but you know i know one thing we were really aligned as a band, our team, you know, our manager, our band, the band, we were really aligned. There was like, it was like, either this is gonna, you know, like get rich or die trying, you know, that was kind of the, the, uh, feeling at that time. It was like, we're just going to do what we, we know we can do. And we did it and we just kind of left it all up to the universe to figure it out because everything about 15 said, this is going to be a disaster because here we are we started all backwards we got the deal in Japan we made the record it, you know we and then you know everybody said we were has-beens we couldn't sell rock records and crazy bitch happens and atlantic uh exercises their upstreaming clause and they want us and then sorry happens and so on and so forth and here here we are 2 million, 2.5 million records later.
0: No, it's incredible. And just now, I didn't read anywhere that Atlantic was involved. Was Atlantic involved at all with 11.7 Music?
2: No, 11.7 uh, are, well, yeah. 11.7 uh, started that label to put out 15, and, and they had the, the partnership with Atlantic.
0: Well, I got, I got to be honest with you here. You know, I always go through lyric by lyric in the song. I'm going to do that again today. uh, while as we, as we get in and break this one down, but uh, it's going to take uh, everything I need maybe to keep a straight face with some of these lyrics is they're very verbatim. Sure. (laughs) And it's always funny. It's always funny to see the artists as I'm reciting their lyrics. They they rarely as an artist have ever had their lyrics talked back to them. So this is, this is going to be a fun one. Let's hear it. Um, Give it to me. Crazy bitch is uh, three minutes and, and twenty three seconds. It's a uh, perfect length of time for a uh, a, a radio track. Uh, there's a twelve second intro on this one. At the 10 second mark of the song, there is a descending guitar riff that becomes a running theme throughout the song, particularly in the bridge and the end of the song. It's just it's just killer, and it's just it's just so catchy. And it's just it's got this uh, I don't know this seventies Aerosmith vibe to me, man. It's just it's just killer. It starts out, the the, the track, uh, on this 12-second intro, it's just uh, uh, two hits on the snare drum and, and, and Josh gives a hearty, all right, and uh, 12 seconds in, you're into the song, and we're gonna break down, uh, I'm gonna have you break down these uh, lyrics of verse one here, it's uh, break me down, you got a lovely face, we're going to your place, and now you got to freak me out, scream so loud, getting fucking laid, you want me to stay, but I gotta make my way.
2: Oh, fuck, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That You know, <laughs> uh, the whole thing behind Crazy Bitch is I was driving around in L.A., and uh, <laughs> and I was listening to the news, you know, and it was right around the time where all these, uh, you know, sex tapes were coming out, like uh, Paris Hilton, right? And she, had, okay. she had released a sex tape, and I just thought, it's so crazy to me how somebody can really launch their show business career off of homemade porn, really, like, or just, you know... And then I started reminiscing about, you know, when I was a youth, you know, an adolescent and I started when I first started having sex and, you know, I, I couldn't seem to attract a sane girl. And that was the madness of what was going on uh, back in that time. So that's the, the perspective I wrote from. And I was listening to a lot of hip hop. I listened to a lot of hip hop at that time, and I wanted it to just have a hip hop flavor, you know, over over some rock chords. I wanted it to be really simple. Have a lot of space. And uh I'm very close to my mother and I didn't know I didn't have anything to record it on. So I, I called I called her up and recorded it on her voicemail. I said, Don't erase this. I gotta I gotta remember it.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Do you do you have the original tape? The original no, recording?
2: No. no, I wish I did. No? That would okay. be great. Then I didn't think that far ahead. And of course, uh, you know, in
0: 2005, we just didn't have these smartphones with voice recorders. So that's uh, we're kind of, you know, dating ourselves there with you. You had to call your mom's voice voice machine. Yeah, I used to
2: have those. I used to have a little digital voice recorder. I had that for a while before iPhones, of course. And I used to use that a lot, but I didn't have it on me, you know.
0: Right on. Well, the first three lines of this song, uh, it just breaks down to drums, and there's this killer sleazy guitar tone with a wah pedal panned off to the left speaker.
1: Me down, you got a lovely face, we're going to your place, and now you got to freak me out.
0: And then on the last two lines, bass comes in, and then a guitar is panned off to the right. It comes in with this clean, funk-sounding guitar riff. <laughs>
1: scream so loud getting fucking laid. you want me to stay but i got
0: to and it just works really great with that other guitar it's just yeah it's just like the perfect perfect companion piece and i love again you guys did this in 15 days you did it with 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 mike plotnikoff and uh i believe is it paul DeCarly was the other person yeah paul DeCarly,
2: um, he's real really talented guy i tracked all my vocals with paul there i really trusted him and he's really good you know and he's not talked about much in that whole saga you know so it's cool that you brought his name up
0: no it's interesting because i i tried to research him i couldn't find too much about paul that's why i wanted to ask about him you know he's kind of
2: he's a trip he's a trip he's like he's a pro tools wizard he gets in his seat and he's got like this whole setup where it looks like he's fucking like a, a pilot in a plane he and he goes so fast and you should see him edit it's insane man and
0: okay yeah. well guess what guess what now i know who paul is yeah it just dawned on me paul paul was there when we made our record he was in the other room he'd be editing while while howard was in the. he's other- like
2: he's like the wizard of Oz guy he's like he's like uh i Oz behind the i curtain. can't
0: even believe i i t- i have not thought about paul in 15 years i know paul DeCarly, my gosh okay yeah. that's that that's again another uh cross here between bands that's awesome yeah. um if you're listening paul how you doing buddy
4: Hey, everybody, don't you dare go anywhere. There's lots more Krista makes a podcast after these messages from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of
0: Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB
4: And now,
0: back to the show. Uh, very quickly, we're in the thirty thirty-two seconds. We're in the first chorus, which is great. And this and this chorus is so strong that you, you don't get half of it. You get a double chorus right off the bat. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. You're not get, you're not going to screw yeah, it was, around.
2: it's it it very it's very chorus-y. Well, I think we had more choruses than that. I'm like, this is too chorusy, man. We gotta we gotta trim some fat, you know.
0: Right. Well, uh, you're in the first chorus. I'm going to read the lyrics here. Um, Hey, you're a crazy bitch, but you fuck so good I'm on top of it. When I dream, I'm doing you all night. Scratches all down my back to keep me right on. Hey, you're a crazy bitch, but you fuck so good I'm on top of it. When I dream, I'm doing you all night. Scratches all down my back to keep me right on. And uh, (laughs) on the lines, uh, you're a crazy bitch. I'm on top of it. I'm doing you all night. On those three particular lines, there's harmonies. And uh do you recall who talked about putting harmonies there was that something you thought of something maybe Mike Potnickoff came up with
2: Oh I have no idea I mean it's been so long It's funny when you read it yeah. you, you read it like such a white boy you know like uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it's so funny to like hear it back it's like boy uh to interpret it that way it's it sounds like such a terrible song you know but I mean you know it it was more about the rhythm and the soul, you know. Oh yeah. I've heard a lot of people try to sing "Crazy Bitch" and try to perform "Crazy Bitch," and they they leave all the the soul out of it and the funk out of it, and and that's like then you lose the song. It's like you got to have that swing and that groove, you know.
1: Hey, you're a crazy bitch, but you fuck so good I'm on top of it. When I dream, I'm doing you all night. stretches all down my back to keep me right on. Hey. Y'all crazy bitch, but your fuck so good I'm on top of it when I dream I'm
2: doing Yeah but the harmonies I don't know I can't remember I just I just sang I kept singing until it was done you know
0: Right. Well, it's funny, you know. I when I started th- this uh, this podcast, I thought of actually should I s- try to sing the lyrics back to the artist? That wouldn't work either. So speaking, it's really the only way to go here. But I know no, it's no, weird, I'm, man. I'm just,
2: no, I'm just <laughs> I'm breaking your balls. You know, I'm just
5: saying.
0: No, I know you are. And you, and 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 I they deserve to be broken because I've had numerous artists go. This is so weird to hear my <laughs> my lyrics because you know verbatim like this. You're right. It it might not sound like the greatest thing, but it it's all about the song. It's about the delivery and it's about how you put it together. And there's a swagger uh and a, and a and a you know i don't know what the other word i'm looking for here there's a sw- there's a swagger to this song and an energy yeah you got to you got to um, have that
2: sex in there and the swagger and the soul and uh or it doesn't right. or it doesn't work we do a 7 minute version of that song live it's a lot of fun i uh
0: i saw it i've i've, I've seen it yeah <laughs> I, I went and, went and looked and it it's cool you do a whole a whole lead up and and really the verses into the chorus it just the chorus gets heavier it's pretty much the same progression which again you know, and I brought this up on this show before the the simplicity sometimes, and just this lyric, it, it's kind of a verbatim lyric. It doesn't take much in your psyche to, to have to overanalyze it and think it. And sometimes those are the best rock songs, man. Those are what resonates with people.
2: Yeah. Simplicity is an art form and ACDC taught us that, you know, it's like that. I think that's, what's missing in rock. There's, there's not a lot of space, you know, there's not a lot of dynamics. Um, there's not a lot of soul in rock music now, you know, and, um, all the old rock, you know, they listen to the right artists. They lo- they listen to a lot of African American artists, and that's why old rock was so great, you know.
0: Yeah, no, there was definitely a a, a groove there that I feel is missing with a lot of uh, a lot of rock bands today. Um, getting into the second verse right out of the first chorus, and again, right off the top here. Uh, it doesn't come in halfway, but the guitars are panned right off the top. You got that wah-wah uh-huh. guitar over in the, in the left speaker. You got the funky guitar over here uh in the right speaker.
1: Take it all. The paper is your game. You jump in bed with fame. Another one not painted painful. Uh, you're so fine. It won't be a loss. Cash it in the rocks. Just to get you face to
0: face. And it's, uh, the lyric is, take it off, the paper is your game. You jump in bed with fame, another one night paid in full. You're so fine it won't be a loss, cashing in the rocks just to get you face to face. Right. So uh, I'm assuming at least that first lyric, the take it off, the, the paper is your game, like, like getting in the tabloids.
2: The paper is your game, money.
0: Money, okay.
2: Paper, okay. money
0: cashing in the rocks just to get you face to face the rock is Uh, the
2: diamond ring the wedding ring gotcha
0: okay okay uh on the third line here another one night paid in full uh the bass comes in on that line and this particular verse and uh, after you say the word full you do this little uh it's like a james brown type of little grunt
2: there love james brown
0: was that off the cuff something you kept or was that intentional do you remember
2: i don't know so i just i just uh riff you know sometimes and and sometimes it works you know and and we leave it in you know uh that's probably what was going on then you know
0: i call them sometimes happy accents i love when little things like that happen and you you leave them on records and those those end up being a hook that you didn't even like intentionally try to make
1: yeah like
2: on lit up you know you got that all right at the beginning and uh Uh i didn't really like i i just threw it in there and we kept listening back i was like are we going to take that out or what are we going to do and Steve Steve Jones really liked it so we just kept it in and it, it was like it became such a, a hook later on you know
0: I've had it happen both ways where a producer wants something and, and you look back years later and go why is that in there and other times you say thank god he pushed <laughs> thank god he pushed me to do that you know right, it was the right. right call yeah
2: yeah I, I do I do that a lot you know I've learned so much over the years making records and and to have more of an open mind and in, in those type of uh, situations and to Kind of see everything through when you're working with somebody who's really great, you know, to see their idea through, even though it feels like uncomfortable when you first start it, you know.
0: Right. Something else I like about the second verse is that those guitars again. I'm speaking about the the ones that are panned left and right. Um, they're a little more playful in the second verse. They're not as uh, they're a little more regimented in, in, in the first verse. I noticed when I listen to it repeated times, it's yeah, they're a little more playful and kind of floating around, which uh, just kind of helps uh, to me to me build the song. Um, you get right into uh, uh, chorus number two, which stops short here. Reading the lyrics again, but it's the same as chorus one. It's a, it's basically uh, another double chorus. And um, at this point, I want to ask: Do you remember at all? You know, from the demos you and Keith were doing, was there an evolution with the song? Was was the song pretty much this uh, this structure, this arrangement?
2: Uh, no, it was not this arrangement. I cannot remember honestly what the original arrangement was. I just know that we had a midsection, and I know that. Uh, It was really chorusy, but everybody wants the chorus, so every time we played it, they want to hear the chorus that much, you know? So um, we had to do something to break it up. That's why we added a midsection and then the breakdown, but it was still a breakdown chorus. But um, I sang it like I was, um, you know, kind of just like waking up in the morning, you know? just to kind of break it up, I didn't sing it the same way I sang, like the full rock chorus of Crazy Bitch, you know, the breakdown chorus, where my, my voice was kind of cracking. And
0: Well, in my notes here, and it's funny, earlier you had mentioned you were listening to a lot of rap at this point. This song, and I know you've mentioned a couple times too, that, that there's a lot of chorus here. This song is kind of laid out like a rap song. Rap songs are all hook. Yeah. They're all chorus. Yeah,
2: it's, it's basically, you know, one chord progression, whatever that is, and a, a loop, and then they build a the song that way, and they just take away like something, and then they put it back in. But it's like, oh, it's it's amazing. I've been studying hip hop, and hip hop is getting so amazing now. Like you, you know, where where it started when I was a kid and where it is now. It's it's pretty it's pretty cra- crazy.
0: Yeah, no, but I can totally that you said that I can. You know, looking into this and analyzing it, um, it it has kind of a, a rap quality the way that it's laid out, arrangement wise. Um, after the second chorus uh, there's a lead break and this is at the one minute and 35 second mark it takes us up to the one minute and 47 uh, second mark and uh, there's also a uh, a counter descending guitar it's a new riff that comes in uh, with the lead it's just this descending just dirty rock and roll riff and it's got that wah pedal uh, again with that break goes on till the one minute and 47 second mark and then right then vocals come in it says get the video fuck you so good get the video fuck you so good yeah (laughs) i'm assuming that's referring referring to all these videos you were you were you were seeing at the time
2: like i said that like paris hilton sex tapes kardashians that type of thing
0: and then the whole band breaks down it's just vocals and drums and it's kind of whispered you're just saying crazy bitch crazy bitch you say it twice there's this tambourine that's kind of panned off right Mm -hmm. and then you say you say crazy and then on bitch the third time the band comes back in with a more stripped down verse progression uh the guitars pan left with the wah pedal again the guitars pan pan right with that funky uh staccato type uh funky plan and we get into uh it's not uh, in here in my notes i put it's not a full raging chorus but it's kind of
1: broke down Crazy bitch, crazy bitch, crazy bitch Hey, you're crazy bitch but you fuck so good I'm on top of it when I dream, I'm doing you all night Sketches all down my back keep me right on Hey, you're crazy bitch but you fuck so good I'm on top of it when I dream, I'm doing you all night Sketches all down my back, come on
0: here you're getting the chorus again, but you're not getting hit over the head with it again. It's it's kind of what rappers do. A lot of times the the progression will change. It'll be the same lyric. You're getting the hook, but but you're not getting killed with the hook. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I just sing it kind of sing it in a different way, but keep it going. And you know uh, we've done that in a few songs. A lot a lot of bands have done that. Um, but yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It just happened. It happened very quickly. Like we're we're spending a half hour breaking down crazy bitch, but it was like uh, it it happened very organically and quickly. You know, just ripped it out. You know, and, and the g- best songs do. You know, that lit up was like that. We wrote that in like fifteen minutes. You know, I came in. I came in rehearsal and they were playing the music to that song, and I just started riffing and I just wrote it. You know,
0: and it's so funny how that happens. But other times, uh, other songs, you will just labor over and labor over, and, and sometimes you can't even get them finished for whatever reason. They don't want to come, don't want to come together, which is which is a strange thing.
2: Yeah, we don't we don't really do that. We just uh, if if we're stuck on something, we just move on and write another song. You know, and just keep writing songs. I mean, we wrote like for Hellbound, which drops June twenty fifth, and we wrote um twenty eight songs for a ten song record. You know, so. Uh, you got to be thorough in order, you know, because the cream rises to the top, you know, once you get so many songs and, you know, you want a good record from beginning to end.
0: Absolutely. At the end here where the band comes back in, you got this broke down what I'm saying. It's not a full, but it's it's still it's a full chorus, but it's broke down. And uh, you said earlier you don't remember. I'm assuming you don't remember why here. But What I found was interesting in this breakdown part on um, the second time when it comes through on the line, you're a crazy bitch. That's the only time there's a harmony there. I thought that was pretty cool that it was just in that one time.
2: I don't know, you know, but you know more than I do. Uh, I haven't gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't listened to the song like, you know, kind of like that dissecting it for a long time. Uh, cause I, I sing, I've sang it like, you know, a few thousand times. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really like to, uh, listen to myself too much. You know, um, I don't go back and do that too much because when I make a record, we listen to the songs like hundreds of times. And then by the time, it gets on you know out to the public we're exhausted because and then we got to play it live you know a lot so
0: i feel you there (laughs) yeah yeah um at the uh very last time here scratches down my back come on the band comes in super loud again and then you're in a bridge baby girl you want it all to be a star you'll have to go down take it off no need to talk you're crazy but i like the way you fuck me and uh that descending guitar riff is very prominent here again in the bridge
1: Baby girl, you want it all To be a style you have to go down Take it off, no need to talk You're crazy, but I like the way you fuck me Hey, you crazy, bitch
0: Which is great, because it sets up, which is now really the fourth chorus in a song. You don't get too many songs with four double choruses, except... A lot of rap songs will do that, which, which, is, which is cool. And uh, in this last chorus, uh, the guitars are no longer staccato here. The guitars just strumming through. It's like a full downstroke strumming, which just kind of lifts this last chorus and, and is really cool.
1: Hey. you all crazy bitch, but you fuck so good on my top of it. When I dream, I'm doing you all night. Snatch yourself down my back, to keep it right on, hey. Y'all crazy
0: bitch, but your- Bass is also hammering away here at 16 notes, uh, 16th notes through this part, which just again, it lifts it. I think by this time in the song, you need it. It's another double chorus. And what I love here, Josh, is at the very end, the very last line, uh, two lines are you're crazy, but I like the way you fuck me, which is the end uh, of the bridge. Very few songs will end on the bridge. You come back to that. Do you remember how that happened? Whose idea that
2: was? I don't really know like how I came to that at that point in time but uh probably just tried a few things and that was the one that stuck.
0: Well, it's uh I think the perfect way to end the song too because you end the end the song with the, with the, with the word fuck me and it's just kind of something that just sticks stick sticks in people's minds and again I wrote it down that descending guitar riff it end, it ends the tune you know.
2: I mean, have you have you have you ever been with a uh... I don't know how many like a woman uh, maybe prior to I don't know if you're married or what at this point. But like maybe maybe when you were young, you know, and she was just uh, you you had a lot of fun. That was a real strong physical attraction, but just a nightmare when it came to trying to get along as in a relationship. You know, that's kind of what it what it was about.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've I've uh, I've definitely been there. Well, um, we're going to get wrapped (laughs) up here in a second. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> um we're going to wrap up and I know that we we uh, talked about the new record at the top. Uh of course, Hellbound new video is out now. Let's go. Anything else? You got your uh, you got your tour coming yeah, up? Yeah,
2: so so hot was the first single. We got a great video out if you haven't if your listeners haven't checked it out, check that out and we just dropped the title track Hellbound and a great video to that as well and the record's fucking amazing. I can't wait. Uh you can pre-order it now. Um at all places that you buy music, you know, or go to Buckcherry.com for uh, tour updates and all that kind of stuff. And we got vinyl. We got all kinds of stuff. And first tour date kicks off June 1st, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And then we got 105 shows in the United States until like November. And so it's going to be um, a lot of fun, you know, get out to the rock show.
0: Awesome, man. Well, listen, have a great rest of your day
4: and uh, we'll, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, buddy. Be good. Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more Krista Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
5: This is the story of Whitney Houston.
3: This is the story of Kurt Cobain.
5: Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince.
3: It's a new podcast series.
5: About how they died... Feeling understood.
3: And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're thinking about right now.
5: That feeling.
3: That feeling.
5: It's coming soon from Crowd Network.
3: Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app.
5: And subscribe now.
1: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know.
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Jagged Baptist Club from Los Angeles, California. The band consists of Mitchell Blake Stokes, Morgan Ponder, Josh Boyd, and CJ Ramsey. You can find their music on all the streaming services, and here's a snippet of their song, Running on Synthetic.
1: The rap with Chris and Chris.
4: All right, man. So that was an interesting episode.
0: <laughs> well, you know, as I said from the top of it, it was—it's uh, one of those things where you sometimes, as a band, you either have one or two choices. You can uh, uh, fold your cards, or you can march on. Uh, these guys got dropped uh, by their original label, DreamWorks. The second record was looked at as a commercial failure, even though they were out on tour with ACDC. These guys couldn't get arrested from 2003 to 2005. They went, they uh, basically found a deal through Japan, a small deal, recorded the record in 15 days on a shoestring budget, and uh, the rest is history. You know, it's uh, to, to have that kind of success, to be signed to two major labels, doesn't happen to many bands.
4: I thought it was pretty crazy that despite Buck Cherry and Less Than Jake coming from such different worlds of music that at that moment when this album was being made or written, I guess I should say, uh, your worlds were like completely crossed because you're working with the same exact people well no and it's unreal too that I didn't realize
0: when I put two and two together I never knew Paul's last name but Paul DeCarly the other uh, person who was credited as co-producer <laughs> for the record Paul was the other guy we uh, he'd be in one room editing parts uh, uh, for in with what became of in with the out crowd less than Jake record uh, while Howard was uh, you know he Howard would be editing vocals and Paul would be editing drums or guitars in the other room so it's uh, it, it's funny how how, how that was another piece of this puzzle I didn't even know existed until we got into it and it just uh it finally just dawned on me
4: <laughs> it's crazy those guys and this Paul DeCarly sounds that way and I'm sure you've experienced lots of people like this Chris but they're like Pro Tools wizards to the point where like these people probably know every single shortcut on the keyboard every single thing is just like instantaneous i know in my experience the last time we recorded with mark mccluskey i could watch him do that stuff move stuff around just like lightning fast you know it's it's impressive it's an art technology in 2005 was
0: nowhere near where it is now and you got to remember in 05 pro tools was really had only been around for uh, you know about seven or eight years uh, and this guy paul i mean i can't even imagine where he's at now he was an absolute wizard a master of his craft uh shortcuts he probably knows shortcuts that the people who made pro tools don't know i mean he's just it was it was incredible to to, to watch him work
4: hey uh talking about this song you brought up a word which we've Talked about in our band van before, and I never really knew it was a thing. But then once it was brought up, I always hear it in music, and we always talk about it. But you said swagger, and I never knew that that's like an entire basically genre of songs that often become popular on the radio because we had talked, you know, in the writing of a new Punchline album, we're like, do we have any songs that like have swagger to them, and? And I don't know that I usually I don't know if I usually like that. I I guarantee you I probably do. You got you brought up hip hop music a lot of times, of course rap music has swagger and it, it works for that a lot of times in rock it, it I, how do you describe it it's like um, uh it, it's like a, a a cockiness
0: but with justified confidence
1: <laughs> okay, it
0: almost but, it's almost like i i know this i don't know it's it's got this sleazy like dirty rock and roll vibe to it you know it's uh it's hard to explain, but I know what it means. If that makes sense.
4: <laughs> no, I know what it means too, and I I would think of like a lot of like white stripe songs that have swagger and and things like that. You know that style. Well, and the and, thing
0: the thing about this track, you know, there's other Buckcherry, but probably my favorite Buckcherry song is is "Lit Up," the first single they ever released on their uh, on their first self titled record. Um, and and I almost leaned with going with that and breaking that one down, but again, I just love a a, a feel good success story, and I felt that. Uh, Uh, This being one of their biggest, uh, but probably their most well-known hit. I think uh, their song Sorry from the same record uh, charted higher than Crazy Bitch. But, um, you know, Crazy Bitch is is most likely their most well-known song. Uh, I just felt this was the right one to... uh, to to break down today, but uh, yeah, there's a certain I don't know. I, I mentioned it to, to Josh. It's got like this uh, dirty '70s Aerosmith, just rocky
4: vibe to it. Something that uh, never quite goes out of style. Sure, and uh, you know it was interesting, Chris, and I. <laughs> I felt for you kind of during this because you were bringing up specific moments and lyrics and things that were done melodically in the song, and kind of like assuming there was. <laughs> thought behind it or assuming there was like a story behind why you why you did this line this way or or why but it seemed kind of like this song was just a a guttural like oh i just got in the studio and i just did my thing and i don't know why i did it <laughs> and it was like Oh, <laughs> well, you okay. know, I, I, I yeah, I think
0: that, uh, you know, Josh had a hand, obviously, in the lyrics and and, and, and the singing and, and everything to go along with it. But certainly um, what I took away from that was was really I, I, I got to have a tip of the hat here to Mike Plotnikoff. So I know Mike, of course, he was the engineer on him with the out crowd. And, and Mike uh, produced this record with Buck Cherry. And, uh, you know, Mike's work with everybody from My Chemical Romance, Papa Roach, All American Rejects, Hoobastank, Skillet, Seether. Um, he got his start as an assistant uh, to produce Producers like Bob Rock and Mutt Lang, Um, and uh, he got his first big break through the recording of Aerosmith's Get a Grip record, which was back around 92, 93, uh, when he was promoted to the head engineer for that album. And he went on to engineer uh, and mix records for Van Halen, the Cranberries, etc. So, yeah, he he, uh, worked on the Van Halen, uh, the last record with Sammy Hagar called Balance. So Mike's the one who said, do a harmony here put this here. That's that's all Mike, you know, and, and Josh was just, um, you know, I think just being honest, like, yeah, I just don't remember because he doesn't, you know, because because that was all Mike's doing.
4: That's an impressive Plotnikov resume right there. He even has a cool name, Platnikov. <laughs> yeah, like Mike. Uh, I don't know. It's like a cool name.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mike is, uh, uh, he's uh, uh, British Columbia, uh, Canada, from from B- BC, Vancouver area. Uh, got his startup there and, uh, you know, worked under people like Bob Rock, Mutt Lang. He just, he learned from the best. And you want to talk about, I mean, just that team over there him, Howard Benson, and Paul DeCarly, just unstoppable force. Just, uh, Great to see, and it and it's it's really no surprise how good the record sounds, uh, because Mike just gets great tones. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And
4: you know this song. It's gotta be the most played song at strip clubs ever. Like that's that's what is known about it. It's like the number one strip club song I, ever. I, right? I
0: was gonna say maybe girls, 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 Motley Crue has it beaten out. I don't know. They're they're neck and mm. neck. It's, it, it's close. It's close. Mm,
4: I don't know. <laughs> I think I think this might be the one. I think this might be the claim to fame. And what's gonna keep this song around forever is just that the uh, the clubs, the clubs are pumping it to well, this day.
0: Well, and I, I had mentioned to Josh too, and this and how many times have you heard on this show, Chris, that uh, yeah, this was just another song. And that this was just another song that they that they had written, uh, as mm-hmm. attested to the fact, Chris, that it was buried number seven on a record. You typically don't put uh, the seventh song. Remember uh, Savior from Rise Against. I believe, yeah. I believe that was like the
4: 11th the, track. Yeah, it was the uh, 11th track, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: On the record, because uh, they just didn't think that, uh, that it was a single. It was just kind of one of the uh, uh, album tracks, one of the deep cuts, as we call it. But, uh, you know, here's Crazy Bitch buried at number seven. And uh, you know, he even said it, uh, they're MySpace, they're fans. They were the ones that mm-hmm. spoke up. And then uh, unsolicited, uh, ra- ra- radio stations started just playing the track, which, uh, you know, there was... Again, a lot of stars lined up for these guys at that time. There was a you know they had a great team working behind them, um,
4: but uh, there was there was some luck in the cosmos they had on their side for sure. You know you can't you can't account for what people are gonna like, and we've we've talked that to death on here about like sometimes you just don't know, sometimes you don't realize it, sometimes you do know, sometimes you're like this this song's special, and sometimes you know, but sometimes probably more often you don't know what's yeah. going to resonate with people. well and
0: this is not a knock uh, on the band at all on Buckcherry at all but um if it wasn't for crazy bitch i don't know if if uh, they'd still be a band today you know they had they had some issues before uh, this record came out they lost three band members uh they went uh, didn't have a deal they all the after mentioned things we we talked about and uh you know here this song blows up and i really think it's given them a, a, another 20 years i'm
4: sure that uh that josh and the band realized that too and you have to you have to feel fortunate to have a hit you know like uh, you know there's a lot of us out here that would love to have a hit (laughs) so uh you know i I don't know i assume that people don't take that for granted and speaking of
0: hits would you like your podcast to be a hit well you can just talk to my man chris at we know podcasting chris tell him all about it i think chris that makes a podcast is a hit would you say it's a hit I I think it's a hit, but it's our show, so I don't <laughs> want to be too egotistical, but yeah, you,
4: you do a hell you do a hell of a job putting this together, Chris. Thanks, man. Well, me and my good buddy Matt have a company called We Know Podcasting, which you can check out at weknowpodcasting.com, and I could tell you all about it. I think the proof is in the pudding from this podcast that you're listening to right now. But If you need a little nudge for your own existing podcast, or if you've been thinking about starting a podcast, how about if I just run this little ad and maybe that will speak volumes about what we can do for you? Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing
0: how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about
4: podcasts. That's where weknowpodcasting.com comes in. At weknowpodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it, and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at weknowpodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys. We're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. Well, I hope that convinced everybody to uh, start a podcast and hit us up at weknowpodcasting.com. They will set you straight. I I can guarantee that
0: because, you know, I've said it before, Chris, uh, prior to this, I had zero knowledge of podcasts, how to put the whole thing
4: together. And, uh, and you've educated me greatly on, on the whole subject. So thank you. And you've educated me on a lot of things too, man. I think you've, you've educated, (laughs) you've educated our listeners on a lot of things too, man. I have people (laughs) say that to me all the time that they've learned a lot about songs and songwriting and stuff. And I know I, I bust your hump a lot about things, but man, you're good at what you do. I try Chris. And, uh, uh, speaking about educating our listeners, I'd like to educate our
0: listeners right now to tell you to please go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us uh, It helps us look good and, and, and looking good means we can get you the artist that you want on
4: this show. Absolutely. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe say, Chris and Chris, you do a great job. Keep doing a great job. I really like this specific episode. It takes about 30 seconds to do that, and it helps us. It helps us a lot, for real. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And if you haven't already, uh, join the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. If you're
0: already in there, you know it's a lot of fun. Uh, invite 10 of your friends, each of you, please. We, we, we want to grow the group. The more, the merrier. And uh, please give me a follow at Less Than Chris D. And I want to thank this week's guest, Mr. Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. We'll see you next
5: week.
0: I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I
4: sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists.
5: Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both
4: celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know.